sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee. So today on the Tales of Tennessee podcast, I'm welcoming one of the most experienced professionals I have been lucky enough to meet in the music industry. His work has taken him to Nashville on more occasions than I'm sure he can recall, and he's worked with some of the highest profile artists in the country music sphere. He is PR professional Richard Wooten. So welcome to the podcast, Richard. Thank you very much, Georgie. So can you give us a little bit of a kind of potted history of how you became involved in music? Um, you know, was it the music that led you to the PR or the PR that led you to the music? How did it all come about? I, I was always um, pretty obsessed by music as a teenager and I wanted to be a journalist and I wanted to work with music. And my parents said, you can't be a journalist because you'll have to go and interview people whose son has just been murdered and things like that. And you must do a sensible job like being a teacher. So I became a teacher for a short while in London, um, but was determined to somehow find a way of getting into the music business. This was the late 70s. And it was all about punk at that time. And I realized the only way I could get into the music business, for which I had no training, um, was to, to find a music that I liked that no one else really liked. And that was certainly not popular with the trendy music press. And country music, I was intrigued by, and I'd been on a trip to America and thought Nashville was, was great and the people very nice. So I went for Nashville and you talk about me as a professional, but I've had no training for this. <laughs> um, I uh, somehow got some work with the Melody Maker as a freelancer, which was a music paper, which, which, which um, was big once upon a time and helped at a radio station. And somehow or other, I, was, uh, I got work. And then I realized that actually being a journalist really didn't pay me as much as I would like because I was about to get married and have a family. And someone said, well, you should do PR because nobody is doing anything with country music and folk. That was the other thing I was doing. So again, with no training, the only training was, was, was teaching, of course, um, young children, which is, of course, uh, young, looking after young people are people who are immature, spoiled, selfish, very loud sometimes. <laughs> so I actually had all I, I needed to work with some of the artists although most of the Nashville artists are actually very nice and um, are well, uh, are very fine. So anyway, then I started working with, uh, mostly for Americans, because no one in England record companies thought country music would ever sell in the eighties. Um, this was the time of new traditionalists like Randy Travis and uh, Ricky Skaggs. I was the one who introduced um, Ricky Skaggs to Mick Jagger, who he didn't know who he was. That was an wow. example of how traditional he was but anyway in the 90s things suddenly got much better because Garth Brooks and people like that became popular in America and the record companies suddenly realized there was something happening that perhaps could work over here and in the 90s there was great we had great success with acts like with Garth with the Mavericks Trisha Yearwood and people like that a golden decade and then um, I was also very involved the Country Music Association had a little office in London and I helped them um, and they had a few campaigns and things. But in 2020, in, um, in 2000, uh, the CMA decided this wasn't really going anywhere and they closed the office. Uh, things had started to dip in country music after the boom of the 90s. And then we had other things happening that 9-11 had a, had a huge impact on Nashville artists in particular who just didn't want to come to the UK anymore. 
and country music was having one of its downturns. The artists that were had been big in the 90s weren't selling as much. So things were not so good then. And in fact, the whole of the noughties was not great, although I was continuing to work, but I would, had other things as well. And then everything changed um, for all of us with Taylor Swift, the Nashville TV program, and then the sudden and really unexpected um, decision by AEG to, to try and start a proper country festival at the O2 in London. And C2C came along. And th for the first time, people really put money into country music and very, very bravely, Tim McGraw and Carrie Underwood, I was working with both of them, um, agreed to do this, this festival. And it, it was, it was extraordinary because in the early days it was like pushing water uphill. Once I got to this stage, it was actually quite worrying because we knew um, it was a bit like if you've ever climbed up a diving board on a foggy day and you look down at the swimming pool and you can't tell if there's any water in there. That was <laughs> how that was. But then Country to Country was a huge success. It didn't sell out the first year, but and subsequently it's just been going very well and I've been very lucky. And now there's lots of people to, yeah. to work with country music. But fortunately, I've been doing it long enough now to be, people think I'm a professional and know what I'm doing. And I've just had the experience. So to a degree, I probably. Yeah, I think I think you deserve the, the <laughs> professional title. Um, so PR is quite a broad term and sort of publicity and what have you. Can you sort of synopsize what this entails for you? So for people who are listening, who kind of relate to your story you know they they want to get into to music they love music um aren't necessarily really sure what area they they want to go into what what does PR entail for you when I was young I just loved reading newspapers and the music press especially and I liked listening to the radio and discovering music and the the key thing for an up and coming musician, especially when they've just started and they certainly can't afford a PR or anybody really, is to really listen to your local radio, usually the BBC, and to find your, who writes about music in the local press, because there are people, you will find there are people there who will support new music. You have to be quite artful with the radio, like the BBC people, find someone who does play new music, and they usually say text or tweet or whatever, and, and start by saying how much you like their programme and how much you like things and somehow get into a conversation where they eventually will come back and say, are you a musician? And you can say, well, actually I am. And I've got this song and I, I'm sure it's not good enough for your programme. And if you use the right approach, you'd be amazed. It, it can work. Local newspapers, it, you just got to come up with a, a, a good angle. Um, you don't have to make things up, but you can. Um, and it just be careful what you um, what you say, but but you can do this. Um, and if you're nervous about things, then it's always and especially if you get early interviews and things, it's always you can take a prop with you into an interview. I mean, Nancy Griffith, who I used to work with, did this. She always carried a book in, so if she ran out of things to say, she'd she'd start talking about the book. The other thing is that when people right, ask yeah. you questions, you don't have to give the <laughs> give the answer that. Um, they're asking for be like a politician and um change the subject and it's very important you whatever you're saying that you in the the time you know you've got allotted to talk you mention all the right things and the gigs you're playing and things like that 
So if somebody so doing it yourself is quite a big thing these days. Sorry. Yeah. And if, if somebody was in a position that they could afford a PR and they came to you and they said, Richard, look, I really need your help. Can you, you know, can you represent me on the PR front? I'm just not confident. I can't do it. What would you do? How would you sort of start to get well, the I, word out yeah. about an artist? I, I have the advantage that I, the people I send music to know me. And I try very hard because I'm independent. I don't work for a record company, so I don't have to do Metallica and things like that that I don't want to do. And on the whole, they trust me. And if I send them something, they will actually listen to it. Mm. And that is such a big thing because unfortunately, people like Bob Harris get far more music than they can ever listen to. And inevitably, mm. he will he will pick on things from people who he knows who know what they're doing. So that's one of the things you do, and you get the word out. Now, nowadays, you can send music to people, and you can send it to quite a lot of people at once, um, which is what you do. Things have changed a lot from sending CDs and things. The, the current way it seems to work with a new record is to literally drop one track before release, and then maybe another, and sometimes a third, and hope you'll get some play. The, the problem we have at the minute with the radio in this country is that there's so many different outlets that, that the BBC, for example, are not really very good on supporting new music, mm. unless it fits into one of the genres that still has specialist programmes. And it's now much easier if you say you're country or folk or rootsy music than if you just say, I'm a singer-songwriter, because there's very few outlets if you're a new act to get into. Country is a good one because as well as Bob Harris, there are these, um, there are several local BBC country stations who will be, who, who are interested in what's going on. And there's always that feeling and the BBC certainly have it that you should support British music. Yeah. Um, they always try and have a percentage of British music being played. So if you, I mean, I, that unfortunately is the way it is at the minute. I work with some singer songwriters who are really, struggling and then if someone comes along who's country and actually has got the right sound it's easier for them and also the whole um support system it's folk music is the same that musicians seem to help each other in in country music which is absolutely remarkable because if you go into some areas of music like dance the dance sort of thing people are horrible to each other they really are yeah it's very competitive for some reason country people have got their feet on the ground and perhaps it's also because they write songs about real relationships and they are often quite sensitive people. Well, actually, one um, of my next questions was that, you know, some PR representatives uh, obviously have to do a lot of firefighting and, you know, crisis management and, and stuff like that. Not necessarily in just in the music industry, but um, sort of in PR as a as a profession. Is that something you've ever had to had to do with any of your sort of bigger bigger clients or have you been lucky enough to avoid that because it does seem that in country music there are relatively few kind of big scandals that happen in comparison to other other genres yeah. would that be fair to say I think I think it is fair to say that I mean I have had a there was one artist in particular who because the whole thing with rock and roll very much because of the Rolling Stones is to be awkward and difficult and so I had this chap who, who would deliberately be one hour late for interviews. And that would have caused major problems. But I always told him the wrong time for the interviews. So he would turn up and was very, 
he said, they're very, very understanding if they've been waiting so long. And I said, I, and I know. <laughs> and that's, that's, and you have to think ahead with things. Um, so I wouldn't say there's, there's certainly been some quite, um, there have been tricky situations and you have to, um, you just have to keep a clear head. I don't think um, you have to, you, it's not that you, um, you tell untruths because that will get you into trouble, but little white lies occasionally have to, to help you through things because certain people just don't understand why things are, are happening. Yeah. But no, the, the country music and also the folk music world and people like that who were, tend not to uh, get into trouble. Uh, and I suppose if, because your main focus is, is radio, isn't it? Well, I, I started out and for over 20 years, 25, maybe 30 years, I was press, radio and TV. Mm. Started particularly with press. Now it's radio with a bit of TV, depending on who it is. So I, sus I suspect that in other industries, say, I don't know, politics or what have you, you've got a politician who has a PR representative and they are specifically focused on that person and their reputation, whereas actually, I guess, in music, maybe it's a little bit different because although that's obviously a, a factor, it's all actually all about the music or predominantly about the music to get out to the other people rather than just you being at the beck and call of that particular artist to manage their, their reputation. Yeah, the, the the tricky thing is, um, is is getting radio to play music mm. and getting their attention with people. And I, and one of the things is before you, you know, you, you meet people and it happens to me quite a lot where people will say, my son or my nephew wants to be a singer and, you know, could you give him some help? And I always spend a good 15 minutes telling them that's a terrible idea. There's far too many musicians out there. You won't get anywhere. It's far too difficult. And after 15 minutes, if they look me straight in the eye and say, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it. I tell them they've passed the test and they have got what it takes. So you have to be absolutely determined. Mm. And there's this thing, you get this look in some people's eyes. You just know they want to do it. Now, that's very important because I've worked with one or two musicians who were just, if they, if they had a late night, they don't want to get up and do an interview and things. And that's when it all starts to fall apart. You have to it's really tough, but you sometimes have to do things when you really don't want to and you want to stay in bed. So the whole thing is for people like me is, I don't want to take anyone's money if I can't make sure they make money. And it, it's sometimes really talented people you can see are never gonna quite make it because they're too shy or whatever and you have to help them if you can. I was actually but, having a conversation yeah. today sort of along those lines um, with a friend who, whose other half went to see a, a band at the weekend and they were actually really disappointed and said that they they just looked flat and they didn't have any sort of audience participation and anyway this this band has just been out on a really really busy tour and I think it's such a talent for whichever artist it might be to be able to keep up that sort of that percentage of work and still have that passion, like you're saying, and that dedication to be able to, and the energy to be able to go out there, paste a smile on their face, interact with the audience and make every show sort of as good as, as the yeah. previous one, because I think that must just be incredibly tough. It is. It is incredibly tough. And it, it's, the other thing is you do have to have 
sort of an angle and something. For example, if you have a new record coming out, it's no good saying, oh, it's another new record by me. You have to have a narrative. The, the, be the best person I know on this is Billy Bragg. He, he, can, he can always tell you what a new record is about. And it always sounds interesting and different. And he could write what he said on the back of a cigarette packet. Mm. And Steve Earle is the same. It's just incredible with these things. But the, the other thing is that nowadays you have to do so much, you have to do social media and things. When you look at Ed Sheeran, that, that guy would, you know, it, how he got signed was just by working incredibly hard and just doing things. And it's interesting now when you look at people, I don't know if you've met Ben Earl from the Shires, who's yeah. a very good example of a very all round guy. I mean, he's, a, he's, he's on top of everything, I think. But you're with him, talking to him, and someone comes up and says, oh, you're, and, and, if it was me, I'd be really fed up with the people coming to that. But he's always calm and relaxed and he's nice to people. But yet he can go off and he makes sure he takes himself off and can write stuff. And he's got a lot going for him. And there are certainly, you you know, and I, I've done a way sort of talent competition things where you see people and there's something quite slick about them, but they don't have the personality. Um, and it's so funny when you... <laughs> Because it's you almost need a scriptwriter these days, and when you especially when you do live, because you need to have lines you can. Mm. There's a folk singer I'm working with at the minute, and then she really caught my attention after singing a song, a terribly you know sad song, and she obviously takes her music seriously, but she clearly didn't take herself too seriously, and her dad had driven her there, and she said, "Oh, my dad's been so great driving me," but he always says, "Petrol comes before love," and everyone just laughed. And thought yeah. it was fun. And there was another singer who said, I have a CD uh, here tonight on sale and it's very naive. It will go home with anyone. And that was just the right kind of line. He used it, you know, <laughs> he was said about five times every time he came over, it was up. But it worked because people just thought this was so sweet and cool. But that's the thing now is you have to be all, you know, 360 degrees, mm. you have to be able to do social media and deal with the fans and country music is particularly demanding because the fans kind of expect uh, mm. the, the artists to be there and to be willing to sign things. And that comes from uh, the American way of doing things that they've, they've always done this. And that's why the Country Music Association started Fanfare in Nashville, which is a wonderful thing to get, which is now called um, Music Fest. A wonderful thing to go to because you can get to meet some of the artists. None of them are paid. They give their services for free, and then the muse, the profit that's made, goes to the all kinds of good causes yeah. involved in music. And how has your how has your work changed over the last couple of years? Obviously, because we artists haven't been able to do that. You know, they haven't been able to go and meet their fans and play at festivals yeah. and stand by the merch the merch table. How been, has that well, affected you? As, it, uh, as it's affected the musicians, I should say, it's been terrible for them yeah. and they've just been amazing. But as it affected me, because one has the internet um, and one can share things, I just am working with musicians who are able to, who've been able to record things at home on their computers mm. and do sessions. Now, I don't have many bands that I work with um, as such. They they would have a terrible trouble because um, they were often, people were split up in different towns yeah. and they couldn't do things. Well, I worked with Lady and Lady A and they did, they were asked to do a session for Radio 2 and it, it had to be on camera and everything. And it was like very hard, but they did it. It took ages to do. 
other individuals, um, like uh, people like um, Carly Pierce, um, she was, you know, asked if she could sing a, her latest song, which was a, which involved Lee Bryce, um, whatever his name was. Anyway, and Lee she Bryce, was yeah. thing. Who was it? Lee Bryce. Lee Bryce. It was Lee Bryce. Yes. So hope you're happy now. Yeah. He's asked to sing that song for Bob Harrison. So she recorded this thing as she was singing it. And then she she said, Oh, Lee, where are you? And just made this thing up about him not being there and carried on. And it was remarkable. And it was just, she was just to her, it was quite easy to do. Yeah. And it was amazing. So I've been very lucky and we've managed to um keep going. But the terrible thing is that people have stopped buying CDs and mm. The income for musicians is increasingly going to come from live work, but they should take their CDs with them because it seems that the available evidence that people more than ever when they go to concerts want to buy something from the artist and feel they're giving them some of their money, except of course they don't have money anymore. They just have a credit card. So now the artists have to get around with a machine to um, accept their credit cards. Yeah. But really, um, I'm just so impressed with the way um, the musicians have survived this. It's interesting. Some you can you realize that some types of music have more uh, prosperous fans than others. Folk music. Uh, we know some folk acts that started doing a thing with a tip jar, and suddenly realized they were making more money doing <laughs> online things than they would at a gig. So that was a revelation. But with, um, I'm starting to lose my train of thought here. But the but basically, it, getting back and into live music is going to be very important, mm -hmm. and it's it's still not clear where we're going with all this, but I think we're going to have some great festivals yeah. in the summer. Finger, and it's going to crossed. be unbelievable because yeah. people are going to be so pleased to come back. I was talking to Balin, who does The Long Road, and yeah. he was worrying about his his bill that's going to be announced in a couple of weeks. And I, and I was telling him, you're going to be fine because you have a brand. It's like you have a brand with yeah. your festival. People are coming to the to a festival that they want to come to, and they know that they'll meet like-minded. That's that's going to be a big thing again. In fact, is you can in the open air, you can talk to people and you know engage because yeah. we still won't be out of the woods by the summer. I'm sure. No, well, I think we. But, I mean, we were so lucky to be able to go ahead this year, although we did still obviously have restrictions in place. But like you say, people were just so desperate to get out, and yes, there were lots of people who actually decided that they didn't want to. To risk it which is absolutely fair enough but from for our genre of music especially i think it does lend itself to being able to put on safe events because for example we had a we had a seven thousand person dance festival booked on the fields the following weekend to tennessee fields and that obviously had to postpone because you couldn't have a dance festival with restrictions in place. However, with country music, everyone's quite sensible. You know, they come, they they still have an absolutely fantastic time, but they might just come and bring their chair and sit down and and have a dance later. But you know, that they're, they're not in a big mosh pit or what have you. So I think from that point of view, Touchwood, I think um yeah. it's uh, it's been easier. There will than be a, yeah. I think a lot of America we we've got a lot of American acts seem to be coming in May, but I don't think we'll have as many as usual. So it's the golden opportunity for British acts to to mm. get out there and do more. I think um, I would suggest that all British acts think about one or two covers of well-known current songs, because that's the kind of thing that people will really like, as well as hearing their stuff, just because they're missing certain things. And there are certain obvious so songs that some people can, can do quite easily. So that's a... Something. Well, I was, going, I was going to ask you, actually, you know, what is your advice as somebody who 
has seen lots of the industry, what would your advice be for for young UK artists who are trying to get out there? You know, what do you think is sort of the what's the first step for them to take in terms of trying to get their music heard? Is it is it social media? Is it trying to get radio play? How do you see that sort of working nowadays? You you definitely do both. You do, you you try and get exposure. The, the tricky thing is that um, it, it, it's what, knowing quite what to do. The, mm. the TikTok thing in America has been very interesting because it, more than here, I think, because people have used it to um, to introduce themselves. And you 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 know the the best ones are people whose best friend is good at a good is a cinematographer or something, someone who knows how to make things, and that is is. Unfortunately, that's another thing you've now got to do, but there are these, there's been some incredible little TikTok things of people, not necessarily great songs, but it's got them going. So that's one thing. The radio, which is hard, but you you know, that's one to do. And then the whole, and Spotify, you know, anyone can put songs up and 50,000 people a day do, and it's not, it's hard. But, and, and the, the problem with Spotify and all those is it's very hard to try and persuade them and it's the, one of the hardest things I know about in, in terms of trying to get music played. So a company like Spotify has mainly employs marketing people, not many people to decide what gets played on their, you know, the, the curators of, of playlists and things. And it, that is a, a huge challenge. The, um, and that, at the minute, I don't think we've really cracked that, but they don't want people like me getting to see them. They only want to see the people from the record company marketing departments to tell them what they're going to be spending money on, which mm-hmm. isn't to say they're bad people. There are some good people at Spotify in London, and I've, found, I've met a couple, and now I know which pubs they're going to. That's, you know, I can have unofficial get-togethers, but that's a trade secret, really. So, <laughs> um, But no, it's very hard. And I think, um, like, I don't know really if there is an easy way, because we had a phase where people, because it was a new thing where people like the Shires and Ward Thomas all got signed up, but not that's not happening anymore. So there's not people gonna sign you up. I think it's just, it is the live thing. And I think you do have to think about what comes between the songs as well, because you can't, the, the days where you could just say, and this one's called something, aren't, isn't really gonna be possible. And yeah. It, it, so it's very hard and getting it. I think you have to be careful about naming. I think I always think it's very important that you do talk to the if you if you start to get people who like what you're doing, you ask them what they think, because they'll be brutally honest and the truth. And if they say that sounds good, but that other one was terrible, listen to what they're saying and, and just think about it. And also mm-hmm. ask them what they listen to. And if they say well, we listen to Chris Country, well, he's. He is approachable. You can, you know, he makes it clear you can send things and he will occasionally, you know, try things out. There's a guy um, at Absolute Radio Country, Matt Sprackland, who plays British yeah. stuff. He's been very good and he goes out to gigs. Yeah. And he's very yeah, hard to does. miss if you see, if you want to know what he looks like. Yeah. So there are some people you can even go up to. I, the Absolute thing is very interesting at the minute because the, 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 the DJs there now, not just Balin, but all of them are being given more opportunity to engage with things. I'm working on interviews for Jenny, who's on at the weekends, and Lou as well, because it's that station has got an awful lot going on behind it, and they really want it to work. Absolute is the rock station 
that's mm. what it got the license for. And rock music really isn't very popular anymore. People love the old stuff, but it's, it's the hardest genre, I think, at the minute. So they're looking and they really do think they've got something here with, um, with country. And we hope, that, we hope they have. Absolutely. Because at the minute, country music is still a bit of a, a specialist area. And one of the things that's very notable is how enthusiastic the fans are and how they feel they're in the community. You, you will, I'm sure, have had people at the festival who come, you know, a couple of people on their own or whatever, and they start talking to other people without even thinking, you know, do you well, talk to people? You, you do. And you do certainly at C2C, if you're sitting next to people, they start talking to you. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember going to a Nashville Nights. Um, it was a it was a New Year's Eve one, I think. And I was meeting my brother there later, but he was late, you know, as he always is. And uh, so I'd, I'd arrived and I was walking there on my own. I was thinking, oh, God, you know, I've got to walk in on my own, which, you know, I'm fine with that. Um, and I clocked a couple of girls up ahead of me with wearing cowboy boots. And so I went, you know, tapped on the shoulder. Excuse me, are you going to National Nights? And, you know, we're still friends now. So it is, from a fan's point of view, it's such a lovely industry. Um, I know a lot of the American artists like coming over because they say the fans actually really listen yeah. to the music, um, which sort of begs you to ask, well, what do they do? What do they do in the States? Well, because Ashley McBride was 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 playing a gig at London with um, Luke Combs, and and there was at Shepherd's Bush Empire, they have a bar in the middle of the crowd, and there was a lot of noise going on, and people talking. So afterwards, I said, to her, "I'm terribly sorry about those people making a noise. That's not what we should be doing in this country." And she said, "Oh no, it's fine. It's the first Luke Combs show I've played where there haven't been at least three fights." <laughs> and, in America, the Luke Combs thing, it's a, just a very macho mm. thing. And the audiences are different if in America if you go to them, some of the country things. Because it does tend to, uh, it, it's the weirdest thing. But, and it is more of a talking and taking pictures and things all the time. But the the way the, the UK fans are not only listening, but they've taken the trouble to learn the words of some of the songs. Mm. You know, that first time Lady A came here, who were one of the first bands of the new wave to really come here and they played Shippers Bush Empire and after the first song Hillary just burst into tears because she was so amazed that they knew the words of this song they started with. I was there I was singing. You were there and yeah. it's it's been it's been fascinating to me the other thing that happened because when Brad Paisley he was an early one as well for this new we suddenly realized there was a new audience and he played ACDC before he came out and he just he seemed to understand what it was like over here. Mm. And he ended his show by coming out with a t-shirt that said, I am Stig, which, you know, <laughs> I don't know how he knew, but he did. So, because yeah. I, I, having been through it over the years, there really has been a, a big change. And if you go back to the early days, people were always very sweet in country music, but it started because of rock and roll. The, the people who used to go to country gigs in the early days were all old because they were people who grew up in the fifties, mm. loved Johnny Cash. and people like that it's weird but um now there are no genres really anymore people just like what they like and pass songs on to each other yeah and we have this this community of people that actually like country music and there's no negative things which is what they used to be all those mm. years ago what's 
what's it like so for example um you very kindly took me under your wing when we were in Nashville for the CMA awards a couple of years ago and you were there obviously working around you know supporting the BBC and what have you around the CMA awards what you know what's that like that must be quite kind of glitzy glamorous but I assume pretty hard work for everyone kind of involved behind the scenes how how would your if you were going over there for CMA week how would your week look what would you be doing I think it depends on what your job is I always think that I'm a bit like um uh, a butler in Buckingham Palace I'm there to serve (laughs) I don't people like me should never try and make friends with artists because they've got friends yeah and I'm just there to help them get through things and they can ask me if they're not sure about things. So for someone like me, you know, it's a question of being in the shadows more than anything. And I've, I've had a few things where I've had to jump in and, and, and sort things out. But really, if I fade into the background, that's what I, I want to do. Now, if British people who are fans of the music are going to Nashville, it is, despite it there being so much going on, it is in many ways quite inaccessible um, an awful lot of people live there, the stars, and they don't want to meet fans. They want mm. to rest from the rigors of the road. So um, if you do go, going to a glitzy event like the CMA Awards or CMA Music Fest is a terribly expensive time to go, but it is the time when you get access to artists and see things, and it's genuinely exciting. Mm. But it it isn't really. So it's, you're, it's, you're it's, sort it's, of coordinating meetings and you're... Um, you know, saying, oh, you need to be here by five o'clock t- for an interview yeah. with such and such radio station and the BBC are going to be talking to you at seven o'clock and so you need to be there. Is that is that sort of... Um, my it, my job happens? is to make things happen, different things. And you just, yeah. and there are certain... My, my favourite moment was when um, 17-year-old Taylor Swift won her first award and the BBC had a very small studio that year and she was wearing one of those dresses that had lots of wire in it, so it stuck out at the side. Yeah. And she came down, stomping down the thing. And my main job was to persuade people to talk to the BBC. And they said, we don't want to talk to Radio 2, we want to talk to Radio 1, all kinds of nonsense used to be gone. But she wanted to talk to the BBC. So the producer would say, we are only in 30 seconds. So she got her her top half into this room, but she couldn't get her bottom (laughs) half in. And and the producer said to me, Richard, just do something. And I got down on my hands and knees below dear Taylor. And she was very good about this. I was pushing and pushing and the produ- I was trying to be gentle with the producer said, harder, push, get on with it. <laughs> so we got her in and got the door closed because it was so noisy outside. And I was very red in the face and stood up and came face to face with her parents. Who <laughs> <laughs> proceeded to tell me, uh, how good their daughter was and how they'd moved to Nashville so that she could uh, have a career. And Well, they weren't wrong. Extraordinary. No. And so actually one of my questions was going to be, what are some of your highlights, your kind of memorable <laughs> moments? That was obviously one of them. Do you have anything else that really sticks out as a, as a surreal moment or anything? I think it's when it's not so much surreal. What was, what is incredible is, um, is when you get people on something big. So Casey Musgraves, at the very beginning of her career, I got her onto Later with George Holland, which involved her singing on her own solo, one song. And she, she's sitting at this little table and there's, I forget who it was, Coldplay or someone doing three songs with a full band. And she said, couldn't I do something with, couldn't I brought my band? And I said to her, 
this is how you start. There's no way. There's always two baby acts inside. So she did. Um, um, what did she sing? Whatever. She sang beautifully. And the next day, it all went berserk. And, you know, it, it, she had achieved something. And she said to me, thank you so much. That was, <laughs> you're right. I understand. She, I, there were lots of good things with her. Because she, she's... She's terribly funny. The um, she she we got onto Joe Wiley on radio too, who wanted um, a cover version, and she was she said, "Shall I do a Waylon Jennings song?" I said, "No, no. Do you know anything about a British rock act?" So she did um, Coldplay's "Yellow," which is a sad song to begin with, but when she sang it, it was really it was terribly sad. And also, I mean, she's so good because she she came. She was going to this thing and she was very excited to be doing a Coldplay song and the BBC. But she was all wearing this sparkly trousers. And I said, would you mind taking those trousers off and putting on a pair of jeans? Because when we see Jo Wiley, she'll be wearing dungarees and be barefoot. And <laughs> she's a bit of a hippie. So you need to, to get ready for that. Yeah. And, and she did, you know, and it, which was great because she and Jo got on like a house on fire. Um, that wasn't, you know... I don't know if I'm saying the wrong thing, but anyway, that's the kind of thing that you have to do. And then it, when it works, it's very um, satisfying. And then of course we got the call from the Royal Variety performance saying they wanted to book Casey to sing that song because they wanted to have a bit of country because country was catching on. So then we have, um, uh, she's at the Royal Albert Hall with all these people, Elton John, Kylie Minogue and One Direction. And, um, and and it was it was fortunate it was Prince Harry was doing it and she said, "What do I have to do when I meet Prince Harry?" She said, "I explained you had to curtsy," and she said, "Would you show me?" And I <laughs> I was not very good at showing her how to curtsy, so she said, "I'll give him a high five. and I said, "Well, I'll probably be sent to the Tower of London if you do that." But she did give him a high five, and it really it worked. So things like that are wonderful to do that, yeah. but mostly it's it's Blumenard work. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What's your what's your opinion on the UK country scene um, at the moment? You know, it's easy to I feel it's easy to get carried away in thinking, you know, that it's great and it's really expanding and it's going to take over the world. But because I'm obviously so intrinsically involved in it and that's that's all I listen to, you know, is, is country music and everything I see on my social media platforms is country music and what have you how how do you sort of see it going over the next few years is there a particular uk act that you think might be able to to translate over to the states um is it is it kind of as as progressive and growing as as much as the likes of me think it think it is the truth is that it's not working outside the uk um mm. the shires will thomas and people like that done very very well here but they haven't I think the Shires may have made a bit of a breakthrough in Australia, but the hardest thing is America. Mm. And if you look at the country stars who have been successful, who are not from the United States, and the two best known ones, probably Shania Twain, who came from Canada, and Keith Urban from, Aust from Australia. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. They, I mean, Keith first came to Nashville for Fanfare in 1990. Um, and he had long hair and he had the jeans that were modeled on Dwight Yoakam. And he he would have to spend 10 years in Nashville just getting into it. Mm. Shania came down and it spent, took ages. 
it's so hard you have to sort of do the do the work so very very few um British acts have ever been successful. The ones that have were, were Olivia Newton-John, who was born in Cambridge, but she was more in, in Australia doing things and she did win a CMA award. And apart from that, hardly anybody has ever had success in America. I think TikTok and things like that may change that. There was a, There is a TikTok singer at the minute who's never been to Nashville and kids, something, kid G or something. But, he's not yet broken through onto country radio and things like that. And that's the other thing, country radio are very hard in America. Mm. So it's, it's very difficult for this music to work overseas. And, that's and you think that if, if somebody was going to work, you think it would be that they've moved out there and they've just immersed themselves in Nashville. Yeah. And Someone almost must, yeah, I'm sure there are people who've done it. There may be British acts out there now Anyway, there's a guy called Josh O'Keefe, I think his name is, who's been out there about six years trying very hard. Mm. But no, and the problem is that record companies will only sign you if they can sell you in other countries. So it's it's very tough. The other thing is that a lot of these British country acts to me are not country and they are, they're very lyrically strong, but it doesn't have its roots in country music, American country music. There's nothing wrong with that, it's fine. But you know, the Wandering Hearts don't sound country to me, to be honest. But they're very, very good, and they've got an audience, and the country fans like them. So why not? You know. The so Shires, what would you say that they sound kind of Americana or folky or? They're poppy. They're pop. pop. Yeah. At times they sound like Fleetwood Mac. I mean, it's you know, but there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I also work with Fleetwood Mac, so I'm you know fine for young people supporting some of these veteran acts, and that's a good you know not a bad way to try and do things. Mm. But in British country isn't, I'm not an expert at all. I've said to, because the, there's, uh, there's a couple of people who do what I do who have been working with British acts. And I've said, look, you, if I get any offered in it, I'm going to pass them to you, I think, because I, my hands are full. I've got mm. a full, I just, uh, I can't take on a load yeah. of British acts. It is like another type of music as well, I think. And it yeah. is more poppy. And you'll need to, you know, the ones that are going to do well, I've got to have a look and and whatever. It's a bit yeah. different from from the US. I think. I mean, I it's think been interesting to watch them because I mean, Ward Thomas. I didn't think that would work, but it seems to have worked very well. But that's because they've just been so determined. And they're so English, you know. They're they're not <laughs> they're not trying to be American. And I think um, there's a lot of younger artists who have have been fans of American country music and that's what they want to do which I think it is great if that's what you want to do absolutely but there's a lot of them that are very similar and I think you have to uh, differentiate yourself somehow and for example you know I, we've just closed our um, applications for artists for the 2022 festival and these you know the, these are smaller artists going for pro we've probably got maybe four to six slots for them and we've had over 150 entries and wow. and you think but a lot of those so I'll go I'll go through and I'll listen to all of them but a lot of them are very samey um yeah. and that's not kind of what we want we want somebody that will stand out. So whether it is like Ward Thomas, that they're absolutely embrace, embracing their Englishness um, or they've just got a slightly different tone of voice or they look a little bit different. Um, 
you know, all of these things are helping them to stand out in those 150 other people um, who have also applied for the for this four or six slots or what have you. Um, and uh, it makes it a lot a lot easier to pick somebody if they've got some a, a particular USP. Um, and I guess that's you know that's the same with anything, isn't it? You've got to have a strong USP to sell to sell yourself um or to sell whatever product it is that you're you're trying to 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 sell so you've obviously you have spent a lot of time in Nashville you are very knowledgeable about Nashville do you have any kind of hidden gems if somebody is planning their trip over to Nashville now the borders have opened again where would you suggest that they go where's the best venue the best food what's the best attraction they should they should before they go they should they should go on the internet and look up Nashville scene. So that's Nashville scene S C E N E. Yeah, that is a weekly, free weekly that lists what gigs are on. And if okay. you type into the search on Nashville scene, um, December the first to the fifth, it will come up with all the gigs that are in Nashville mm. between December the first and the fifth. That's a great tip. Nobody has come up with that in all of these podcasts so far. So thank you very much. That's a great tip. Well, that's the whole, all of the thing I, because every time I go to America, I spend ages planning and looking ahead and researching because you haven't got time when you're there. Mm. So the key thing about Nashville is the downtown area where there are lots of clubs and things like that. That doesn't necessarily mean that's where the best music is. It's, it's tricky because there's lots of things that are not easy in Nashville. It doesn't have much in the way of public transport. It does have plenty of Uber drivers because they're all songwriters and yep. things like that. Um, but it's, I haven't been as, you know, to Nashville now for um, over a year and things change fast. So without question, looking in, in Nashville scene is very important. And, and looking at the kind of acts that they have on at those clubs, you'll get a sense. There's lots of very good clubs now in Nashville. And that downtown area is great for seeing um, people who are trying to get a break. But um, there, there are places like the Station Inn, if you like, Bluegrass is fantastic. But it's obvious when you go to the Nashville scene, you'll see the kind of music. And if you like a type of music, that would be a guide. So that is a big thing to say. The other thing to say is that it is a very big, it's a, it's a southern town, but most of the music things are concentrated in certain areas. Okay. East Nashville used to be an area to avoid, but now it's increasingly popular and it's becoming gentrified. It's a bit like um, East London or, or Brooklyn. And that is where there are Americana acts. So that's across the river. Um, in terms of other things, food and things like that, when I first went to um, Nashville, I mean, I can't tell you, it was just um, catfish and uh, hush puppies was <laughs> delicacy. The hush pup, um, the, um, it was just, you know, not nice at all. And I remember when sushi came to Nashville, it was apparently people got terribly excited and whatever, but now you can get everything there. It's a very cosmopolitan city. I think, um, talking to the locals they the, there's that thing about the, the southern people in the american south are, are very welcoming and warm and friendly mm. and they 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 will be happy to talk to you i mean I, it's astonishing i 
if I go into an into a British bar and and sit at the bar and there's a young you know twenty something lady next to me, there's no way they'd start talking to me. But if you go into a Nashville bar, and especially if you use speak with an English accent, people will start talking to you. It's the most extraordinary thing. So being English British is definitely a bonus if you go to Nashville because they think. They think we're quite quaint. That doesn't happen in New York because they've had lots of British people there, but it's still a relatively interesting thing for them. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things to do. I think I'm not. Mm. I'm not sure I'm being very helpful, but the no, 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 absolutely, huge. and I, they're they're great tips. I mean, if you if you were going, I mean, you probably correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably haven't been to Nashville for for pleasure when you're not on duty working for for a while but if you were going and you could go and see anybody you wanted to see in any venue in Nashville that you wanted to to see them in what would you who would you see and where would you see them the station in that I mentioned is yeah. is pretty well always has good people in there and that's the kind of place where musicians go when they're off duty to relax okay. I and mean, there's this band called the time jumpers who I think now play at fourth and Lindsay but they are all musicians who just like playing together they play western swing so when and i mean i remember taking bob harris there the first time he was in there he couldn't believe it because there was vince gill on stage and the uh, guitarist who played in dire straits and all these people so it's where that's the best they're the best places to go to is where musicians um just hang out and yeah. they're they're extraordinary Nashville because they just all like playing musicians i mean you know, it is. It isn't so much song about about country singers that live in Nashville. It's guitar pickers and musicians and songwriters. Mm. They are the key people, and they're the ones to go and see. But that's there's great a, that they're there's out a place there. That, there's a there's a place out somewhere. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Which on a, a particular night they do these things, and you get bands or musicians of bands like BR Five Four Nine, who were very big in the in the in the nineties. So, but they um that's more difficult but the station inn is a really good one the exit inn um is, is a rock venue that has all kinds of left field acts but all kinds of things happen there it's been going for years and years um but i think the secret is to um i mean i i would find i remember we used to going to we don't really have record shops anymore but the people in record shops always knew where the interesting mm. stuff was but on the whole wherever you go in america the Best stuff is hidden around corners. I mean, if you go to New Orleans, everyone talks about Bourbon Street, but it isn't anymore the place. But there's this other street, which name I can't remember at the minute, um, which is just fantastic. So it's just a question of finding someone who's knowledgeable. When I used to go in the earliest days, I would I would bring up the equivalent of Time Out, the, you know, the local paper, and and talk to the man who did music. Well, that was when I was a journalist and was looking for tips mm. and you're amazing this the stuff you get from that so yeah. and honestly the local papers and and this national scene will have things in it which will guide you to things that I mean, when you get there it's a free map a free paper which you'll find most it's outside bars and things like that that's a great Pick tip. A coffee. comes out on a thursday so starting your trip on a third away fly in on a wednesday and go out and get the national scene on a thursday you can have a great weekend 
Yeah, no, that's that is a great tip. And what about elsewhere in Tennessee? You know, have you sort of travelled in Tennessee particularly? Yes. Is there anywhere else that you would recommend if if Tennessee to go Nashville is the, one of the best place cities in the whole of America? Yeah, because it's like if you think of it as a clock, <clears throat> looking at it north to south. So if you go north from Nashville at twelve o'clock, you're in Kentucky, and Kentucky is the best place for bourbon, and they have these fantastic. Uh, bourbon trails and things like that. Lots of music. Uh, Louisville is um, is a is sort of main place, and that is definitely worth going to. Yeah, all kinds of things there. It's where um, Muhammad Ali came from. It's a fantastic museum on him. There's there's a lot there. Then if you go to um, to nine o'clock to to the to the west, you're in Memphis, which isn't particularly about modern music, but it's very much about the great old days. The Stax Museum is fantastic. The Civil Rights Museum is fantastic. There's lots of great um, music places and the best spare ribs you'll taste anywhere. If you go in the other direction to the east, you'll get to Dollywood and the Smoky Mountains. Uh, Dollywood is a, a theme park run by Dolly Parton and she is much better than most people that own theme parks is that she has a preservation area where there are the golden eagles, there are the food is fantastic. She has something in the region of 40 of her relatives employed there. So it's a very good chance of you meeting a partner. Oh, wow. Um, the Smoky Mountains are a fantastic area of biodiversity. Um, absolutely fantastic. Mm. Now, if you go south of Nashville, and slightly more like towards seven o'clock, that's the Jack Daniels Distillery in, in Lynchburg, which is definitely worth going. But if you really want to have fun you drive for a whole day do you south and you'll get to the alabama coastline which is pretty well always warm and sunny golden beaches but best avoided when there are hurricanes because it regularly gets hit and everything's yeah. made of wood um and then there's there's so many other places that are near there if you there are lots of musicians who live in nashville like michael mcdonald who's one of the doobie brothers and then lots of successful men he uses nashville because he's 600 miles from most of the big cities mm. 600 miles is not no distance yeah america. not in america but it's it's great if you you know if you were to go to florida there's nowhere to go really apart from coming back from wherever you came from because it's it's right way down there it's like going mm. to Cornwall. but um Nashville is is positioned a bit like Birmingham for for getting to places, yeah. and the it, it's so fantastic. The countryside, as you know, I mean, it probably reminded you of rolling hills of, of the UK, and there's lots of horses and things out there. Well, see, this is it. This is one of the reasons that I'm doing this podcast is because when I've been to Nashville. I've only been to Nashville and I haven't traveled around the the kind of wider Tennessee area um, and I'm desperate to do it. And I just want to go and just spend loads of time out there and, and see all these places. So I'm basically picking everybody's brains so that when well, I do get the chance, yeah. I know yeah, there's lots of boring, boring bits. The um, the road from Nashville to Memphis takes three hours and it's just very boring. But if you turn off at the Loretta Lynn, whatever it's called, you can, there's her ranch and, and places and things like that. If you, um, if you go, if you go on, there's something called the Natchez Trace, which is a very old Native American way, the buffaloes and things were what happened. Yeah. It's like a national park, which is about 300 miles long. And that will take you to Florence, Alabama, where Muscle Shoals studios are. And you go a bit further, you get to Tupelo where Elvis was born and you can go and see his shack where he was born. 
Um, but there's lots of very boring bits in, in Nashville. But the, 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 the nice thing about, um, because it's becoming very popular for tourists, every hotel you go into will have a guide, lots of guides of things to do. Mm. And, and you should always go and ferret around there. Yeah. And money is spent by the tourist people to make sure you know about these things. Yeah. So I always allow now a few days to, to have a side trip and there's there's no shortage. Franklin, Tennessee is um, is very close to, to Nashville. It only takes about 30 minutes to get there. That is a historic town that was very involved with the Civil War, but there are lots of very old buildings there and it's definitely worth going to. Quite a lot of musicians live there. And it's actually quite close to one of the biggest shopping malls because if you haven't been to a one of the big, really big shopping malls that are out of town, that's <laughs> worth going to. But um, yes. No, well, they're, they're great they're suggestions. Yes. Thank you. I, next time I, uh, next time I'm able to go out there, I'm definitely going to do some, do some road trips to, to Memphis and to Franklin, because you hear all of these names and just, it'll be lovely just to be able to actually, you know, see it. The secret is to, go to, is to go like at the end of a week. So you've got a weekend to do mm. things like that. And then when the events happen, because CMA Fest is doing it's the second half of a week, isn't it? But yeah. um, CMA Wars is usually on the Wednesday. It's in two days' time. So yeah. um, it'll yeah. be uh, an interesting one. Definitely. Well, we're nearly wrapping up. Uh, just a few kind of quick fire questions okay. left. What is your best gig ever that you've ever been to? Who was it and where was it? Not necessarily country. It might not have been country. But what's the one that really sticks in your mind that you enjoyed the most? I think you've got me there. Um, I don't know. That gig, um, when um, the first time Carrie Underwood came over, played the Albert Hall, not knowing if anyone would know who... Um, mm. That was the second gig, it was after that too. But anyway, it just was unbelievable because of the audience reaction. But I, I really can't, it's like saying who's the best person I've worked with. Are you going to ask that next? Well, I wasn't actually going to ask that. I was just <laughs> going to say, because you, you sent me some really interesting artists. So recently it's been Lacey K. Booth, who I really enjoy actually, um, and uh, Callista Clark and people like that. Do you have any kind of up and coming US artists that you're working with that you think everybody should know about? Yeah, um, Morgan Wade. Okay. Going to be huge. And um, she is a, she's just signed out. She had to put out an independent record that got picked up by Sony Music. Mm. So she's going to be huge. And she will be coming to the UK, I'm sure, next year. Calista Clark is only 18. Yeah. And has got that determined look I was talking about, but is very sweet and very nice. She's has the good fortune to be managed by the same person as Justin Bieber. So we should see some interesting collaborations, I think. Yeah. That's an interesting thing, because if you talk to the the boss at Radio One and say, why don't you play country music? You say, oh, we have, we've played Marin Morris and we've played Florida Georgia Line and we've played, and it's all with the collaborations with other acts. And yeah. we are going to get more of that. Yeah. So the, 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 the people I've worked with that I've been lucky enough to work with both Johnny Cash and Dolly Parton, and that was pretty wow. Complete. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. And finally, if you were going to go on a road trip, um, say you're in the States, you're heading down that three-hour road um, towards Memphis, what would be your go-to road trip song or artist? 
Well, oh, if you're going down to Memphis, it's Highway 40 Blues by Ricky Skaggs, because you're on Highway 40, and it's a fantastic song. Lovely. Highway 40 Blues. Brilliant answer. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Richard. That's been fascinating. I love hearing all of these stories. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you very, very much for giving up your time. Um, and I'm sure the listeners will also find it very useful, especially your Nashville tips. Well, if you're going to Nashville, have a good time. It is expensive. I think you have to tell people. And yes. you have to really save up for it. The hotels are, you know, it's, it's, I, I just wish there was a simple way of um, helping people to do it cheaply, but it's, um, it's not. If you have a car, Airbnb is much cheaper away from the centre mm. of Nashville, but you have to have a car to get in and out. Yeah. I got one that was so cheap the last time I was there. Fantastic. Yeah. So in our post-production edits, just want to uh, round up the highlights that of uh, Richard's recommendations. And they are that the Station Inn is a fantastic venue in Nashville. Um, you can catch lots of artists there sort of on their downtime as well as fantastic musicians. If you are more into your Americana, then you can head over to East Nashville and of course downtown for your general attractions and to catch some fantastic musicians playing all day long in all different types of bars. So thank you very much, Richard, for those. Oh, and the final and probably most important tip is to head over to Nashville scene before you go and you can download a gig guide, which will be really, really useful for all of us country fans heading over to Nashville from the UK. You have been listening to the Tales of Tennessee podcast with me, Georgie T. You can keep up to date with the podcast by following us at talesoftennessee.podbean.com or by following all of our social media channels for the Tennessee Fields Festival. The handle is at TNFieldsFest on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can also follow me, Georgie T, on Instagram at the underscore accidental underscore everything. We'd love to hear from you. So don't forget, you can email us at talesoftennessee at yahoo.com. And as always, thanks go to Francis and Archie Ween for providing the jingles for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee.